Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by my brother, Kelvin Cox. If you too want to sponsor the podcast, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There's free shows. There's plenty of content on there you can check out. Just go in there and check it out. It all starts at just a dollar. Peace. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast which each week I am on a one-man mission to United Coach through diversity. I am your host, Delvin Cox, and this week on the podcast I have two, count them, two special guests. Let them know who you are. Kevin Goatee, live and in color. And Kevin Israel, uh, live and also in some kind of color. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know the, the podcast that you guys do for those who don't know. We do the Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. We're two comics who have a movie podcast. But the difference between us and every other jerk-off comic who has a movie podcast, we invite comics on there to pick a film that's well-loved, financially successful, or critically acclaimed. And their job is to tear it to shreds because they hate it so much. And they must convince us that that film they have chosen and for us to see their side in it. So... They pick a film that people love, and it's usually a sacred cow, quote unquote. And their job is to uh, to convince us that to see their viewpoints that that film sucks or is overrated or whatever. And typically, somebody really gets up in arms over whatever position they take. <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate. Before we get to that, as always, we start the podcast off with the five for five: five questions, five minutes to get the ball rolling. Guys, are you ready? Let's go. Do it. Question number one: for Each one of you guys. What's the best album or song you listened to in the past year? What's the best album in the last year? I'm the wrong person to ask because I think most music now, I'm going to sound like an old fart, is shit. Uh, Doesn't have to be a new album. Anything you listen to in the past year that you think is awesome. I have my iTunes library up. Kevin, you go ahead while I stall. Look for uh, an album. I got to stall too because I just, uh, I, I just, downloaded an, an older album that i forgot about that i love and i got to make sure i get the uh i get the the title right um it's audio slave oh um uh, audio slave give uh it's 2002 i was always a big chris cornell fan i really liked audio slave and i was just listening to uh spotify uh working out and audio slave came on and i was like Holy shit, I forgot about them, and I forgot about how much I loved Chris Cornell's voice, and I downloaded their uh, their album, and I love the entire album. You know, surprisingly, a lot of people come on this podcast and say Chris Cornell. Really? A lot of people, yeah. <laughs> a surprising amount of people. He's I, uh, I actually was lucky enough, I saw them 
I guess their last big tour is Soundgarden, shit, five, six years ago. And they were, uh, they were great. They were fantastic. I want to choose, man, I can't find the album title. Motherfucker. It's Bad Religion's newest album. I love Bad Religion, but their newest album was absolutely horrible. They've been around for 35 years. But, and listen, if anyone's allowed a mulligan, it's them. Age of New Unreason. That's the newest album. I only pulled off one song. I like, I, I, I kept, you know, I just go on YouTube and I'll download, I'll just listen to songs and then I'll download them from YouTube. There was only one song on, uh, on that album I liked. And again, I love Bad Religion. So it, that, that was kind of hard to see them come up with a new album and, and it just sucks so bad. But again, 35 years, you're allowed to have a fuck up in there. That is true. That is very true. It's funny you guys should mention that you guys don't listen to anything new. Because the other day on Twitter, somebody asked a question about a whole bunch of new rappers. I'm like, I don't know any of these people you guys are mentioning. So I am very much aging out of, out of rap. Rap is terrible. Rap has been bad for since I think the last great rap album, great rap album. And again, I'm not, I'm not into the, uh, oh god, the childish Gambino stuff. I definitely hate mumble rap. I would say the last great one was the Blueprint, the last Jay Z Blueprint album. Because after that, then he starts rapping his W two, and that just got him. <laughs> you know what? You might actually be right. I think that's like truly great album. It's probably one of the like probably the Blueprint. Yeah. Because then it kind of got to this area where it's just, uh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, the the mumble shit, the all that stuff is just, I, I can't, I try, I try so hard. I'm, I'm like, I'll never be the old guy. Well, guess who's the old guy now? It's just <laughs> terrible. Right. Oh, I'm fully that old guy, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Definitely. All right, question number two. Who is your favorite superhero? Batman. <laughs> Wolverine. Well, the two good answers. What was the what was the worst answer someone gave to that? Did someone say some shit like Dazzler from the X Men? I'm trying to think now. Nobody really given a bad answer for that question. But oh, well, question number five, people have given remarkably bad answers for. It. And when we get to that one, I'll let you know if yours did, is terrible. Did someone say Steel, like the Shaquille O'Neal movie, Steel <laughs> or Kazam? <laughs> Or for the most part, I've gotten good answers without. Like I said, question number five is the one where I've gotten some awful answers for. All right, we're gonna, we'll get to that one. All right. Say, all right, question number three. And this is the fun one. What is the dumbest thing each one of you have done as a kid? And when I say kid, college counts. Oh my god! Oh fuck! I pledged. I, I, I'll give it. A, I'll give you a pledge story. I actually got dropped from my pledge class and I had to re-pledge because they had an event one weekend and I sent them out because I had some chick I met and she was flying in to be with me for the weekend and I said I can't eat I can't deep six her this weekend she's flying in so they're like all right we'll cover for you so dumb ass me I go to the fucking mall in the area and one of the the brother's girlfriend saw me and told on me and I got fucking booted from that pledge class good thing because those guys sucked anyway but the second class is which was a lot better. So I got caught for I got bounced from my one pledge class for pussy. How about that? You got blackballed to get laid. I did. I did. I got blackballed. Yeah, I got blackballed to get puss. Ten out of ten times, I'm taking that. I'm taking that solution. Yeah, dedication. Yeah. 
when I was uh, when I was ten, I uh, discovered one nine hundred sex numbers. Uh, <laughs> I I. Uh, I ran up my parents' phone bill to about a thousand dollars, and this was in 1986. So I think that's about sixty-five thousand dollars in today's money. Um, and uh, and I lied about it, and I <laughs> and my parents got the money dropped. But then I started selling the numbers in school to kids, and they had to have an emergency PTA meeting to figure out why everybody was getting these calls on their on their phone bills and uh and they never got to the bottom of it and i was uh i was a 10 year old mastermind of crime <laughs> that, oh that's actually God. brilliant <laughs> you were you were the 10 year old kaiser saucy of porn. i was i was it was me uh, yes exactly <laughs> we were all learning and we would have these little meetings at, at like lunch and at the cafeteria because we didn't know any of the words they were saying on these phone calls and, uh, <laughs> And and so we try. We would all try to like put our heads together to figure out what all this stuff meant, and we were always wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. She keeps saying pussy, but all that all I know is her booty. <laughs> yeah, we, I just I just remember we were really stuck on what what like what come on her face meant. Like we couldn't figure out because it didn't sound like something bad, but we knew it was like the words. Just the words were like, and. We were all trying to figure out what it meant, and we could we we just couldn't get to the bottom of it. You should have asked one of your teachers in class, bro. You should have asked your teacher for that, especially a substitute teacher. Yeah, that went over perfectly. Well, regardless, I did figure out what it meant. <laughs> What's your encore like? Twelve years old, you know, selling twelve year old girls in the sex slave rings or some shit. You know what? I I, I set the bar too high, young. I I've, I have yet to come close. <laughs> that's that's peaking right there. <laughs> Question number four. Give me your top five favorite comedians. Top five. David Tell is number one A. Rodney Dangerfield is one B, so I guess that's one and two. Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, and fuck, I guess I'll throw out I'll throw I'll say Daniel Tosh is five. Okay. Wow. Um for me, number one is George Carlin. Cause that's a, just an easy, that's an easy old standby. Bill Burr, um, I and I know this 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 is going to be very controversial, but I think you have to separate the uh, the comic from his art. Bill Cosby is who got me wanting to do stand up comedy. Um, so regardless of his behavior, he's he was the he was the first comic I ever saw, and I remember watching him going, I I want to do that. Um, the, the comedy, not the, not the drugging. Um, <laughs> he was a funny comedian. What's that? He was a funny, clean comedian. I mean, look, he was, he was, he was the man for years. Um, I never, I never got into it. I never got him at all. I just it never, never hit me. Uh, well, it's cause you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> that's it, right? <laughs> you support the guy who made Leonard part six in ghost dad. Sure. I'm the asshole. <laughs> Um, a, uh, a another comic named Tom Papa is a uh, another comic who I always wanted to emulate. He's a great storytelling comic, and um, and yeah, I got I got to go with Chris Rock. Those are good choices. Those are really good choices. Definitely. What are your top five, Delvin? Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, Dave Chappelle, hmm, Jerry Seinfeld. Really? I love Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, and um, the fifth was hard. George Carlin. All right. 
That's, that's, you, that's, didn't, you didn't have to throw two white guys in the, in the end there. Just, <laughs> you know that. It's okay. No, I actually like those comedians, those white All comedians right. at least. <laughs> All right, question number five, and this is the one that people always kind of, either you get a really good answer or a terrible answer, okay? Zombie apocalypse happened, Walking Dead style. You're going to take five things for you to go out in the world to survive. Anything you want to take. What are the five things you're taking? Uh, a rifle with ammunition, obviously. Okay, that's one. That's a very good answer. Uh, a plane ticket the fuck out of there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how good that's going to work. <laughs> is, is this a worldwide apocalypse or is this the fucking it's, only in the U.S.? Because I'll go same, to Aruba right now. Same thing as The Walking Dead. So I think Walking Dead worldwide. That's the world. So a plane ticket isn't going to do you no All good. All right. Okay. All right. I scratched that off. Uh, so rifle. Okay. God, I never thought it's because there's no such thing as an apocalypse with zombies. So... Uh oh, a uh, uh shortwave weight radio. Okay. Uh, a few mistresses who can run fast. Okay. <laughs> my wife. Hopefully, my wife and kid are still alive, so I guess that should count too, right? And uh, let's see, what the fuck else? Carry with me. So it carries. It's it's not. Yeah. So you so just can't. Mistresses and your wife don't kids don't count because you don't have to carry them. Uh, so, so it has to be on my person. I can't throw it in a trunk. Then correct. You can throw it in a trunk if you want to. All right. Uh, unlimited wishes. Does that count? No. Uh, <laughs> cheap way. God damn it! What the fuck? I probably have to say a, a knife of some sort to you know catch and, and kill animals. Three men. Uh. uh Gasoline, if possible. Okay, that'll get you around for a while. Yeah, that's good. And a lighter. Okay. Those are pretty Practical, good answers. Practical, I guess. Yeah, okay. I would go. Uh, uh, I, I, I actually watched The Walking Dead. I got the feeling that Goatee did not watch The Walking Dead. I did. That show fucking sucks. I built up for a season and a half. The, yeah. first, the first few seasons were good. Then it fell apart. Yeah, uh, they weren't even that good. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Machine Gun. Okay. Uh, um, sword. Okay. Uh, a lighter is a great idea because I know I can't make fire. I'll never figure out how to do that on my own. Um, my laptop because I still have porn downloaded on it. And let's be honest, you're not getting internet porn anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And um, and and some body armor, some kind of body armor. That's okay, good. that's good. Okay. I'll tell you one of the worst answers I've gotten, and it was a remote control car. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually an answer I've gotten. A remote control car to lead zombies away. That you know what? That's actually not a bad answer, though. No, it's a terrible. Answer. <laughs> what? You, can, you can only strap one bomb on those things, Kevin. It's not like you can do no, that. He didn't say a bomb. He just said a remote control. Well, what else is a remote control for? Like, oh, you know, let's just kill time before the zombies come around again. <laughs> and and one of the best answers I gotten from my boy B Rob, Plan B. Because he said because he, he said he's not pulling out doing the zombie apocalypse. Just bring some condoms. Oh, he said uh, you don't want to wear them. He just says just come on her face or her back thing. And I know what like they do not during an apocalypse. <laughs> B Rob had a lot of kids, so I think explains why he wants. Yeah, I got one kid, believe it. So yeah, explains why he wants Plan B. <laughs> plan B. 
I mean, uh, all right, well, listen, whatever. He'll buy it. He might be the first one to go. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to go first. Yeah, that is very true. And he's black, so he's probably definitely going to be the first one to go. You know, I don't want to be the one to say it, but thanks for fucking teeing that one up for me, Delvin. I appreciate that. <laughs> no if he's problem. a security guard, he's really fucked. I think he has a security guard. Stop it. Stop it. Game, set, and match. He doesn't, even get, he doesn't even get a name in the movie, then. Yeah, he's fucked. Yeah, it's under security guard. <laughs> <laughs> security guard 2. Oh, my God. Oh, man. So... How did you guys meet from first and foremost? Uh, you're here at Grinder. No. Yes, I have. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> we're both comics. It's a bottom. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we were both at a Demi Lovato concert. It was great. No, uh, we uh, we're both comics in in, in, uh, in Jersey, in the city. We met up. We became friends on Facebook. I'd put up statuses about movies and vice versa, and. Sometimes we would go back and forth on shit, and then that's when I decided, you know, when I came up with the idea for the podcast, I said, you know, man, he'd, he'd be a good one to, uh, to team up with. But yeah, I, I've known Kev, God, I don't know, seven, seven-ish years, uh, I'd say. I think the first time we actually met face-to-face was at, um, was at Tierney's at, uh, at McDonald's Richard's Roast. Roast. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, I was thinking the same exact thing. I agree. That's the first, the first we met at a roast. But we've been going back and forth on Facebook for a while. I, I, we're both movie nuts. And, you know, when, whenever, you, whenever you're really passionate about movies, you think all your opinions are right. And everybody yeah, else true. is wrong unless they coincide. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Kev has very, very specific opinions, which he states as fact. And I'd say, I'd say 50 to 75% of the time we're aligned. And then the 25% I, we're not. I would, look at, I would go on Facebook and I'd be like, this motherfucker. Someone's got to put him in his place. Okay. You Good luck help. doing that. That never worked out. <laughs> you can help me solve a movie argument then. Go ahead. Okay. All the movie Batmans have a fight. Who's winning? Ooh, that's a great question. All of the movie Batmans have a fight. Who wins? Yes. I actually know. Well, that. That's a loaded yeah. question. Does that mean every Batman with his own version of technology brings that to the table? Yes. Okay, that clears things up a little bit. I want to. Can I? Can I? I don't think I don't think Batfleck can handle the hand-to-hand shit. He just had a lot cooler tech shit, so he's out. Adam West is out because he's almost a he's almost doing fucking Broadway plays in that in that bat suit. Uh, Sands the bat, you know, the bat Tuesday and uh, the shark bomb confounded. The batteries are dead. Remember that. So that leaves Keaton for me and Christian Bale. Now, some motherfuckers like to go off on that ice shelf and say Keaton is a great Batman. He is a good Batman. I, I gotta... Boy. I, I gotta go Bale. It's not, it's, it's not by a, a large victory by my choice. It's very close between Keaton and Bale. I give Bale the slightest of nods because I think he can't... He went up, he was a lot more. He was way more in shape than any of the other Batman's. You saw him fight during the uh, when he was training under Raja Ghul in Batman Begins. He was rip shit. Keaton could do some stuff here and there. Uh, oh, I forgot Clooney. But so you got Clooney so, and Kilmer. Yeah, pretty useless. So we're gonna cross them out. Yeah, I give it to Bale only because yeah, I think he could fight hand. He's but he's the best hand to hand guy, and he had some kind of cool shit where he could pull it off. Uh, that's my choice, Bale. Delvin, 
you're going to get a great example of when Kevin and Kevin disagree. And not go. only that, but but Kevin Goatee is wrong. Ah. So uh, so if this is a, if this is a Royal Rumble match, the first one to get thrown out, like Kev said, is Adam West. Absolutely doesn't stand a chance. Yes. Then we're going to throw out uh, Clooney and Kilmer because they just don't count and they shouldn't even be in the ring. Yes. Then we're going to throw out, and I hate to do this, Michael Keaton because. Uh, he didn't fight a lot in those movies. In those two movies, he didn't fight. There wasn't a lot of Batman fighting action. And I just never, I, I don't believe in comparison, he has the skills. Uh, and then Christian Bale goes out. Oh. And ben Affleck is left standing. And this is why. Number one, he had that robotic suit in the movie where he went toe-to-toe with Batman or with Superman. And he beat Superman. Number two, the scene where he goes to save Superman's mom, he wow. kicked that entire building's ass. He literally beats the shit out of an entire army. And I think that showed that Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck's version of Batman was probably the most powerful and skilled Batman when it comes to fighting. I, I don't know if I can separate the character from the film. Martha, fuck <laughs> out of her, that garbage. I, I, I agree with you, but I, I think when it comes to, to badassness and, and who would kick ass, I think, I think it, would be, it would go to him. Mostly yeah, because also, let's just throw in there, pussy factor, all right? And Christian Bale topples all of them. The, the, was Batman hitting on Lois Lane, that little ginger freak? No, thank you. I can't get into that, so. <laughs> and, that shows you, and that shows you where his priorities are. We're talking about a fight for survival. I already disseminated my fight argument. I'm just throwing that in there as the, uh, the cherry on top of my argument. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think I agree with Kevin Israel on this one. I think Batman. <laughs> Well, you're both wrong. How about that? You guys can snuggle <laughs> together and you're wrong for doing Much, Much like Trump, Kevin has never been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Rarely. Rarely. Oh, man. <laughs> Good question, yeah. though. I like that. Good one. Yeah, yeah we've had that. I've had that argument with a friend for about months now. And he agrees with you, for that matter. He agrees with did you. Anyone, did anyone try and pretend to make a case for Clooney or Kilmore or Adam West? Not at all. I think people okay. made a case for um, Michael Keaton. People got really mad at me about Michael Keaton and uh, Christian Bale. Like, Christian Bale probably was in the best Batman movies, un- undeniably. He was, no, 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 no. Not, no, no. Not probably was the yeah. best Batman film ever made. Yeah. And it was The Dark Knight Rises. No. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm fucking with you. I was saying, I'm going to go come through that computer and strangle you with that fucking headphone cord. He's going to lock off. Uh, <laughs> player three has left the game oh man but so how long you, both of you guys have been comedians and what got you into to it anyway what made you say I want to be a comedian I know you were saying Bill Cosby and the Quaaludes and stuff <laughs> uh, it sure isn't money that's for goddamn sure uh, <laughs> I, I actually well, it, it's funny I'm trying to get out of, I've been in corporate America for so long I'm looking at I was uh, 10 years ago, actually, next week is my anniversary. And I thought there's more to life than just going to work and trying to fight the fucking middle management queefs and trying to get promoted and all that. And just for, you know, 15, 20 grand more a year, uh, every year, and then get a 3% bonus and go, oh, the company had a hard time. And just, you know, my dad did it, you know, was, was in it for a long time, had two heart attacks. I said, there's no fucking way I'm going to go through life working, like trying to do like 60, 70 hours, whatever the hell he did. And then just, 
you know, get too hard, have too hard attacks. He's still alive. Don't worry. I'm not trying to bury the lead here, so don't get all, uh-oh. Uh, but there's so more to life than that. You see these people in the, in the city, on the subways, they're zombies. They're zombies, and all they do is they talk about work. Like, there's nothing going else in their life about work. Like, what passions do you have? None? You gotta be shitting me. There's no, that's not, no one goes through life saying, you wanna be when I grow up? An insurance salesman. Fuck out of here. So, it just, I kind of had like a, an, a, a, an awakening I was working as a drug rep for Merck. I said, there's got to be more than that. I just kind of kicked around the idea. I said, you know, people always said you're funny. Everything about doing stand-up. Wrote some really, really awful jokes uh, down. Practiced them for like two months before, three months actually, before I went to my first mic. Did it. And that's the story on how I got into it. That's a good story. Makes perfect sense too, by the way, because actual work fucking sucks. (laughs) You're not kidding. And talking to a guy who's still into it, as a matter of fact, so. Go figure. Likewise. Like, if I can podcast all day, I would gladly do this all day, every day, and then go punch it in a nine-to-five any day, any day of the week. Right on, man. That's the goal. What about you, Kevin? It was Israel. Uh, in 1996, I did stand-up for my fraternity as part of uh, Greek Olympics. There was a, a talent competition, and nobody wanted to do anything. And I, like I said, I always wanted to do stand-up comedy, so I said I would give that a shot. Well, what is the Greek Olympics? Didn't you see Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah. Same right. exact oh, is that, is the, the exact same thing? Pretty right. much. It's, a, it's all revolving around drinking and hooking up uh, in the name of sports and doing other shit. I didn't know that was a real and, thing. And my oh, school, yeah. it, was a, it was a whole week of events, and then it culminated with what you saw in, in Revenge of the Nerds. There was like a Greek Olympics day, but every night of that week leading up to it, there was a different event, one of which was, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a talent competition. And you had to... You had to participate in every night or you lost points. Right. So you just being there got you points. So nobody would do anything. So I said, I'll do stand-up comedy. And it was an unmitigated disaster. Um, but And I got hammered beforehand. And I got on stage. And I think I talked for seven minutes. I don't remember a damn thing I said. And then uh, I got off stage. And all my brothers were like, you know what? We give you credit for just for doing it. And then... Uh, Four years later, four or five years later, I think it was of 2001, I was telling a girl that I worked with that story, and she's like, oh, you should do an open mic night. And I was like, nope, I did it, never doing that again. And she pestered me for about a year, and I finally went to Rascal's Comedy Club in New Jersey. I uh, did an open mic, and I was hooked. And then I just started doing open mics, and I've been doing it now for uh, almost 18 years. That is awesome. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> Every comic has that same answer about that. So you interview more comics, Delvin, you're going to hear that. Like, yeah, I guess. Like, whatever. No big deal. Uh, yeah. Ain't shit. Believe me. So when you guys were kids, you never thought about, like, I want to be a comedian or anything like that. It wasn't, like, the whole story that some comics give, I think it's bullshit. But, like, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to tell my mom jokes she thought it was funny. So I decided from that moment on, I'm going to be a comedian. Well, I just wanted to this. I got, I'll be right back. I have to take this call that just came in. I'll be right back. Good. I'll stall. I, I got a story. My dad, I don't know, he had these, uh, these uh, the, you know, the truly tasteless joke books? I found those, and I just would remember rem- just committing some of the memory and going to school the next day, and I was the fucking king of the town because I would, again, memorize those jokes and you know, half of them, I didn't know what the fuck they even meant, you know. I'd just go there and recite whatever. But I'd go for the sex jokes or whatever. And 
And I, people would go, ah, that's fucking funny, man. I was like, this is cool, man, even though it's not, not my own material, obviously. <laughs> but uh, it was just something cool. It got kind of like, hey, man, this is kind of fun. People laughing with you. And uh, it, it just it kind of always stuck out at me. I mean, I, I'll never forget Eddie Murphy Raw on HBO. That was like, whoa, that just fucking got me. And then the next one that really kind of get me was Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer. I said, Jesus Christ, man. I just did some of the Dice's stuff, some of Kinison's stuff, a lot of those you know, main guys really kind of started planting the seeds in high school and shit. So it's, yeah, been, that- uh, it's been a fucking... It's been a it's been a journey, that is for sure. That late 80s, 90s comedy scene was amazing. Like if you go back to like the Eddie Murphy's, the Richard Pryor's, the it was it felt like it was so much stuff coming out around that time that was just consistently good. You're right. Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't given Pryor the full crack yet. I still gotta get in and uh, watch all of his shit, but I mean look, I he he started a lot of com- he started a lot of careers. That is for sure, no question about it. I just got to get, like I said, sit down and give him his due and just watch his specials. So that's on the that's definitely in the in the queue, as I say. Definitely, definitely. So, what is it like doing these shows, getting ready for the shows and stuff like that? Because everybody, like I say, I'm gonna go back to the cliches. When people think of comedians, they think they're funny on stage, but they have a depressing life in reality. So, what is it like for you? Um, I'm rare in that sense. I'm not one of these guys or girls who is depressed. I'm not one of these people who have depression or anxiety. I don't have that issue. I mean, do I get nervous for sex sometimes? Sure, of course, but I'm not chronically depressed or I need to be on meds or, or, or what have you or, or anything like that. So I'm, I'm a, an anomaly. I didn't have a shit childhood. I didn't have, you know, a dad who smoked crack or a mom who drove drunk. I didn't have any of that shit. So it's it's a little different for me to come out there and go, yeah, white guy from the suburbs. Boy, you know what really sucks? Flying coach. How do you heathens deal with that shit? You know, <laughs> shit like this. So yeah, but so yeah, so it, it, I'm different in that sense. So I, again, I never had any. I don't have any of those, uh, you know hang-ups or issues that other comics have with the you know the genetic depression or bipolar or whatever because we see people all of the time like i never knew that shit. i mean i knew it existed i just never really met anyone uh until really comic here here and there you'd see people in clash like that that fucking guy's a little off and you would would dismiss it in comedy man it is a dime a dozen of those people and and it's 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 sad and it's tough, but again, I got lucky. You know, what else can I say? Well, yeah, let me ask, I asked you the same question, Kevin, about the whole situation. Have you ever experienced a situation like that in terms of, like, comedians? You know, usually when you hear comedians, they're usually very funny, but their actual real life is very depressing. Yep. I I mean, I, I honestly, I, I totally agree with, with Kevin on this, in that I haven't, I mean, look, we've all been down and had some issues and nobody's life is always peaches and cream, but I haven't, I haven't dealt with addiction. I haven't dealt with severe depression or any serious uh, personality disorders. A lot of great comics have, and I give them all the credit in the world. And I always, I always jokingly internally think that's why I'll never be a really famous comedian because I'm, I'm not on the verge of walking in front of a train, but, 
I mean, it's it's definitely very prevalent. And there's there's obviously an, an easy correlation to make between people who have dark thoughts and who have demons and their ability to express it on stage and find humor in it. Um, and you've seen it. I mean, you've seen a lot of great comedians, Greg Giraldo. Um, I, I, he's, he's the first one that jumps to mind who, bought, who should have been on my list of favorite comedians. Um, uh, are just are just damaged people, and no matter how successful and hysterical and and great they are at the craft, they their demons just went out, and it's there's 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 definitely a, a, a connection there. But thankfully, uh, I don't have that. And but you know, so so Kevin, Kevin's right. So you get, you have to find other things to talk about and to make funny if you're if you can't talk about you know how dark your childhood was. So what's that process like for both of you guys? When you write your material, do you, or do you even write your material? Is it something like how oh, Jay Z does his raps? Just think of it in their head and kind of come up with it along the way. No, Jay Z does not do that. Jay Z writes it out. I'm very fucking <laughs> sure about that. He's on the stage. You're not paying two fifty to watch him freestyle. That's for sure. No, we have. I I I think anyone who says they write on stage and that's it, I think they're lying. I just don't think. They may have moments where some things may come out organically, but 85, 90% of their act is has been prepared and has been scripted and rehearsed with, again, little, little audibles along the way. But again, this has been tried and true because you're not going to want to go out and just, oh, what the fuck? I'm going to wing it tonight to a paying crowd. No chance. Zero. Nope. At a mic? Sure. Bar show? Probably. At a paid show? No fucking way. Yeah, and I have to tell you, for my first year of doing comedy, because you don't know, I mean, there's no, there's no rule book to comedy. There's no guide to how to be funny. People have written comedy books, and they're all crap, because you can't teach comedy. Um, you just have to get out there, and it's like teaching somebody how to fuck. Like, you can't do it. You just, you can't do that. You just have to learn how to do it or not. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, my first year... Every time I got up on stage, and again, like these were not paid shows, like Kevin was saying. These are open mics. These are bringer shows, amateur shows. Every time I got up on stage, I did different material. And, not, and I, I mean, I wasn't killing, but I, I didn't realize that you just had to write an act. Like you wrote five minutes and just did that. And finally, you know, I was doing okay. And, but finally, a club manager actually at Rascals Comedy Club came up to me and said, listen, you have good stage presence, but your material is shit. You keep doing different stuff. You get. I want to see you do the same five minutes for the next three months, and that's and that's what you do. You write it. You write a joke. You do it. You you practice it. You try it out. You rewrite it. You you rework it. You find you find different wording, uh, different places to pause, and you work it and work it and work it until it's perfect, and then it becomes part of your act, and then you keep doing it until you hate it. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's really how how you you cultivate an act. I mean. You know, every comic you see, the great comics, even, you know, Dave Chappelle, the, I mean, Jerry Seinfelds, they go out and they're, they're lucky, lucky enough. They're, they're, they have the ability to get up on stage every night in A rooms and try out new material and do it and do it and do it for a year or more. And then they go and they, they tape their Netflix special. So by the time you see their special, by the time you hear it on, you know, on, on the radio, they've been working that joke thousands of times until it's perfect they even take that shit from the oscars and they work at, at, lo at local clubs yep. so all those oscar jokes you see that's not just ah so i'll kick back in a writing room and do it nope those shits have been worked out eight ways till sunday interesting so what's some interesting stories you guys had 
in comedy clubs and stuff like that. Give me an interesting story, comedy story. Oh my gosh. Maybe somebody interesting you ran into or who was performing that night, or maybe somebody who was famous pretty much bombed. My uh my first I think it might have been my second year doing comedy. Uh, I was at uh, the old Gotham Comedy Club in New York City doing a, a an amateur show. Jessica Kirsten, who is really blown up right now, was running the show. And, uh, you know, these shows would have seven, eight comics on it. Five of them would be, you know, pretty, pretty raw. And then she'd put on a couple of pros. And I was whatever place I was in the lineup. And she came up to me and she said, listen, I got to bump you back one. Dave Chappelle is here. And this was back in like 03, 02, 03. So Dave was at his like height at that point. And I was like, oh shit. And she said, he's just coming in. He wants to work out seven, eight minutes of of stuff. Uh, (laughs) So I was like, okay, what am I, what am I going to say? So he goes on, he did 28 to 30 minutes. That was my guess. He just talked. The audience was dying and everything he said crushed and then he got off stage he walked by me because i was waiting to go on he just looked at me and went good luck man walked out (laughs) and then i went on stage and ate my dick for six minutes yeah i I can yeah you can't (laughs) (laughs) that's that's bad yeah i mean i wasn't gonna do great to begin with and then i had to follow that when the audience was like all right we've seen everything we need to see we can go now and then they're like, now oh. listen to this guy talk about his penis for six minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Let's, yeah. let's give you one of the greatest comedians in the world to follow after. Yep. I would have cracked up hard if he goes, follow that, faggot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what he was saying. Like, that's what he meant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny when you have those guys, you know, you're like, uh-oh. Like, I did Caroline's a few years ago, and Daryl Hammond was coming in, and Gooch was like, oh, I got dude, you got to wait a little bit, because Daryl Hammond was to come in and go, I'm going to go get some dinner. And he came back 30, 30 minutes later, and he was still on stage, because he's a notorious, I don't give a shit, I'm going as long as I want. Yeah, so you can do that. Yeah, so that, I would say, I love when, it's a funny thing. Kevin's going to start cracking up as soon as I say this. The person who goes to the host and gives the most amount of credits is the one who's going to bomb the fucking hardest. And I absolutely love nothing more than when people do that and I sit back and I watch the fuse get lit and I love watching them choke on a cock platter. That always <laughs> makes me laugh. It's like, because I, because I mean, I'll host shows. From time to time, still, I, I like. Actually, I'm one of you guys who likes hosting. Because I like a lot of people like because I have a lot of big energy. I like to do that at the top, and that's what you need to have at the top. Is you're setting the table for the rest of the show. It's not the headliner. The host is really the most important person. Absolutely. Everyone else just keeps the train going. Because if you have a shitty host, you got to dig out. Everyone else has to dig out, and that is so much more work than not. So anyway, uh, a woman. I'll I'll, I'll, t- I'll text you up the air, Kevin. You'll you'll know it's fucking heartbeat. She handed me a list of her credits. Like, I'm telling you, man, it was a paragraph. Tight. And I look at it and go, no. And then folded it in half and gave it back to her. You have to do that. I said, I don't have to do a goddamn thing because you're not paying me. I'm going to tell the booker. I said, go fucking tell the booker. He's going to tell you exactly what I just said. No more than two credits. So the booker comes up and he goes, you told her to fuck off, right? Of course I did. He goes, all right. So this next comment comes up. She stalled. 
for like a minute. Like I was, I was sitting there like, give it up for so-and-so. And she was waiting and waiting and waiting. I, she was, it wasn't like she was caught in the bathroom. Like she was waiting for me to do the rest. I go, I'm a stubborn German. There's no way in hell you're going to outkraut me. I promise you. Outkraut. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes up and she's just like, give it up for the host who doesn't have any respect for the talent. No. I'm like, all right. And then uh, she ate dick. And I go, let's hear it for the one who bombed worse than Nagasaki and Pearl Harbor. Give it up. And the crowd <laughs> laughter balls on Fuck her. I can't wait to find out who that was. <laughs> I got to wait to find out who it was now. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, look, you know, there's, there's some comics when you work with some bigger headliners who will say, look, man, you know, I just, I have a special coming out on the movie channel or whatever. And <laughs> the movie channel, you know, right? Or, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> or whatever, you know, Netflix, and they'll say, you know, can you say the name? And I got a book, and it's like, all right, you're a big enough deal where, you know, I get that you're trying to promote something, you actually want people to go listen to it. But when you're doing a, you know, a showcase show, and some comic who's been doing it for four years goes, hey, can you tell them to listen to my podcast that's called, you know. The pink button of hell ate the dog who ran across the street, and they can hear it on blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, dude, first of all, I'm not going to remember that. Second of all, nobody in this audience is going to listen to your podcast. Third of all, you're just being an asshole. I hope that's a real podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fucking awful name for a podcast. Wait, wait, what was it? Let me write that down. Pink buttonhole of... Um... <laughs> so um... let me ask you guys this, then. On your podcast, right? When you first started, how did you make it work? Because people think podcast is easy. It is, unless you're a retard. No. Uh, <laughs> how do you make it work? I this is my third podcast I've done. I've done. I've made TV shows that are on. You know, did a show on Amazon. I've done a show that's on YouTube and Facebook. So I now I know the beats. I've been on a ton of podcasts. I, uh, again, this is my third go around with the podcast. And I just remember, okay, you know, the key is having a, a hook that's different than everybody else. Like, like I said before, eight zillion movie podcasts are out there. Watch you listen to ours because we invite people on there who want to shit on films that people love. People, you know, you're going to sit there and hanging out at someone's house at a party and someone goes, what you fucking hate Pulp Fiction, you yep. asshole or some shit like that. Like, it's just finding that hook. So by the time it came to doing this, it wasn't that there wasn't much of a learning curve. The only thing we're having trouble with now is just figuring out with social media where and what to do, how to promote, getting you know, getting that going on. The content, I think now, if you listen from episode one, there's not a, 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 a very sharp incline when you compare quality of content then versus now. There's a slight one. But it's not a, a, an egregious incline, where because again, I think we, we hit the ground running pretty well because of experiences. So that's that's what I it, it's it, my answer in, a, in one word: experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I've done a number of different podcasts. I had a, a internet radio show, so you know, talking and being able to fill air, fill time, and you know, come up with jokes on the spot and and work with guests who maybe aren't as um, exciting as we would want them to be. I, I, I was I was used to that. Luckily, Kevin and I have have good chemistry and we feed off of each other well. But right. I mean, and and look, to Kevin's credit, this you know, cutting the sacred cow was his was his baby. It's a great idea. 
because at every now and then I'll tag Kevin in uh, in a in a Facebook post where somebody you know brings up like, oh, doesn't this movie suck? And it's a popular movie, or they'll they'll basically be doing what we're doing, and I'll tag him just to be like, look, people are always thinking about this. Like it's such a great idea because people talk about it. People have this conversation where somebody will be like, you know what movie I hate? Goodfellas. And then the whole room goes, what are you crazy? And they'll get into an argument. And that's that's what this this is. This is three people sitting around doing that, that having that exchange that you owe, you have at parties. So it's immediately appealing because people will go, oh, my God, I have I had that conversation last week. I want to listen to what these guys have to say about it. I think that's a brilliant idea for a podcast. I think it's super cool that you guys are doing it. All right, let's let's do it now. Each one of us give a movie that everybody likes that we hate. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> now I gotta think of I gotta think of one that people hate that I hate that people love. There are so many. Uh, I, I mean, it's God. I hate Napoleon Dynamite with a passion. Yeah. Uh, that film is fucking trash. I hate A Christmas Story. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. say it again. That film stinks. Watch it as an adult. It stinks. It's I watch not- it every year as an adult. I was just going to say that. I watch it every Christmas. Well, you need to find a better way to spend an hour and a half, Delvin. How about that? Porn. No soul is the problem. Porn. It's, I, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't fucking get it. It's, it's I fucking hate it. I hate it. Those are two for you that I, I, I can't stand. Spaceball. Uh, There's another one. We did Spaceballs on the podcast. Which is funny because Kevin Israel loves Spaceballs. I hate it. And our, our buddy Jeff Paul, another comic, he came on. He, he hates Spaceballs. So that was the first and only time we had a, a real divided room. Most yeah. of the time, it's we, we're, 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 you know, kind of, all right, you know, it's, we're all, we're, we hate it or we love it together. But that was the only time so far we have, uh, we, we, we had a split decision there. Spaceballs is excellent. Love that. That film was terrible. <laughs> Thank you. It's a really good movie. It is not a good movie. If you like cheesy, schlocky, hacky jokes, they're, they're not even jokes. They're not even jokes. That's the problem. They're not even, it's not even funny. Uh, the, the Big Bang Theory argument. Well, um, that's not that good. <laughs> one of the movies that I really dislike that people seem to like, I mean, this isn't a, and this wasn't a movie that we would do on Gutting the Sacred Cow because I don't think it's a, it's a big enough movie, but 12 Monkeys, people seem to love that movie, and I hated it. And I... God, I saw it in the theater, and I've never given it a second. I've seen it on cable a million times. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I I hated it so much, and ever and I, I it got pretty good reviews. And everyone I talked to was always like, oh yeah, man, it was so deep. I loved it, and I hated that movie. Yeah, I think I, I thought it was okay. I'm not as gaga as, as some people are about that movie. Yeah, I just I just thought it was it was trying to be way too smart. And way too dark and way too almost like steampunky. And I just, I hated it. And I like Bruce Willis. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt was good in it. Brad Pitt was probably the, the highlight of the movie. But I, I, I just thought it was just a, a shitty movie that was the thought way too much of itself. Now, now I'm trying to think of movies that people like that I hate. Prometheus, I hate that movie. That movie was fucking awful. No one fucking liked that film. Yeah, that's an easy yeah. way out. Get out of here with that weak shit. That, Try harder. Come on. I'm trying to think of a movie that I don't. There's not that many movies that I hate. Well, there's a lot of movies I hate. There's people don't hate. Like, I hate Dark Knight Rises. That's fucking awful. I it wouldn't is, say it's awful. I wouldn't it say it's one of my favorites, but I would never say it's awful. It is awful. It Bated that ridiculous-ass voice. It was <laughs> better than it was going to be. 
Yeah, that is true. Um, I'm trying to think what's the movie. See, most. Now I'm trying to think of a good one that I just fucking hate. Because there's so many movies that I. Batman vs. Superman is kind of polarizing. I hate it. Everyone I don't like that hates one. that. Come See, on. the movies I hate, everybody hates. Did we do. Did we. Kev, did we do Scarface? I know we've talked about it, but did yeah, we? Yeah, we did it. We did Scarface. We did Scar- I fucking love Scarface. Scarface See, I, sucks. I, I hated it. Scarface, Scarface is fucking so awesome. overrated. It's, it's so fucking over the top, ridiculous. <laughs> I love. If, it, I love if it. Scarface was supposed to be a comedy, it would have been better, but it wasn't. And too, yeah. and there's too many wannabe gangsters out there that base their life off this idiot, and <laughs> everything he did was wrong. And they're basing their life off of him. And it's just, that's a schlocky movie. It's not, even Oliver Stone, who wrote that fucking thing, hates it. (laughs) It's not good. It drags. No one cares. It's a bunch of nothing for about two and a half hours. And it spawned the career of a lot of awful rap artists. So let's also throw that. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Completely true. Go, Go with the win. Terrible. We, You know what's so funny, Delvin? We just did that on our podcast last week. I fucking hate that movie. That movie's did fucking you, boring. Did you know we just did that? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, you you should hate that movie because it's incredibly racist. Yeah. Yes, it is. Right, but here, but if you take the racist component out of that, it still is a fucking bore fest. It's terrible. Yeah. It's very grand and very broad. A very it's beautifully shot. The music's sweeping. The landscapes. It's it, again. It's a DP's wet dream. Not uh, director of photography. Not double penetration, Kevin. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's horrible. It's so it, it's easily the most overrated film of all time, without a question in the world. Now that I think about it, most movies in that time frame I do not like. Wizard of Oz was the same year. Wizard of Oz is still great. Yeah, Wizard, Wizard of Oz is okay. I like Wizard of Oz. Okay. It's decent. That's a fucking that's a that's a it's a landmark film. It's okay. <laughs> it's, I, said, I, said it, I said it on our, the episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. I think there was, there was a great concept as far as the plot goes in, um, in Gone with the Wind that they really could have captured evolving her character and showing what happens when this woman who had everything loses everything and how she rises back up. And that's not the movie they made. And every time they had the opportunity to do it, they didn't. And they just kept dragging it out and dragging it out. And you just kept hating her more and more until the movie finally ends. And when he says, frankly, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You go, yeah. And then the movie <laughs> ends and you're like, and, you, and, you, and you, you don't care about anybody. Like, you don't really care about her. You don't really care about him. And you realize you just spent four hours of your life not caring about any of these assholes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And that was the first time that, that was the first time we both saw that, right, Kev? Yeah, I never saw it. I had no desire to see it at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. I take that back. I'm, I wanted to see it, but it's not one film. It's like, holy shit, man, you have to go watch Gone with the Wind. Yeah. It's not like, oh, my God, Goodfellas Casino, uh, Usual Suspects, something like that. The Matrix, something that's going to grab you by the balls and not let go. It's like, all right, I'll get to it eventually. I'll see it, but I'm not going to run out and, and make it a, a fun, <laughs> I'm not going to make it a blockbuster night. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I think I saw Going with the Wind in high school. They made me watch it because that's one of those things like, you know, you go to English class and stuff like that. And they're like, ah, oh, you have to watch some of these cinema, cinema masterpieces. Like, this shit is awful. Did they acknowledge <laughs> the incredible racism that was pervaded through that entire movie? Not at all. Not even close. <laughs> Not at all. Wow. They didn't acknowledge racism in my school until Black History Month. 
Did it, what, where'd you go to high school? Beverly Hills High? <laughs> I went to a black high school, too. And racism was not acknowledged at all. To, they showed to, that movie at a black high school? Yeah, because we had mostly white teachers. <laughs> you know, they should have they they showed that to the football players before a football game, and I guarantee they would have won, won 77 nothing. <laughs> After they showed that to you, did they say we're going to go take a nap and ask four of you to fan them while they slept? <laughs> <laughs> That's your sticking point. <laughs> we, we used to watch a lot of <laughs> movies that were just weird for us to be watched. Like, um, we they made us watch Where the Red Fern Grows and the outsiders and stuff like that. There's no black people in any of these movies. Why are we watching this? Awesome. Boy, the only... watching Boys in the Hood and shit like that. <laughs> and then the only movie they showed us was... The only movie they showed us with black people in was Roots. Well, if we're going to go to the source, I mean, that's... The yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go all the way. Yeah. yeah. You're going to show us any black movie. Show us the one with they in chains. Uh, <laughs> the Birth of a Nation and then Roots. Yeah, those are the two to go with. <laughs> I still have never seen Birth of a Nation, the original or the remake, for that matter. It's a, it's a good movie. Hard to watch. It's one of those movies that you can't watch multiple times. Wait, which? Birth of a Nation or Roots? Both of them. Not that you I, yeah, I've never, seen, them. I, I've never seen Birth of a Nation, but it's uh, it's it's apparently the, uh, the, the standard bearer for racist movies. Yeah. It definitely is. Oh! I got one. I don't hate the movie, but I don't think it's as good as people say. Joker. Well, this has been a nice talking to you. Yeah, talk to you later. I don't think it's bad. Jesus. It's just when that was Joker, a phenomenal it, movie. I it thought was it was fantastic. Good, but I think I think what happened to me with, with the movie is people got it. I got annoyed people who were like, "This is white people's Black Panther." <laughs> First of all, the Dark Knight is our Black Panther. All yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that's actually. A and by good the way, point. even even your Black Panther wasn't Black Panther. It was Blade, the first true black superhero film. Let's be yeah, honest, great one, excellent film. Blade was awesome. I'll tell you what. You know three, what? I, the reason two. three was a piece of shit. The reason well, the I Joker was a great movie because I walked out of it and I felt like I was changed. Like I felt like I needed to look at the world differently. Like that movie impacted me for a long time. Like I kept going back and thinking about it, and and like and and how possible it seemed. That's pretty cool. I didn't feel that way at all, but <laughs> really, <laughs> I, I dug it. I, I think it's a great. He had an impossible task ahead of him because of what obviously what Ledger did with the, with the role, and he went about it in such a different yet captivating way. Exactly. They had to say, first of all, the script is great. They kept everything in check from the all, a lot of the other films and nods and shit, and even shots, for God's sakes. The scene reason the cop car at the very end looking out up into with the, the, the light in his face is right a nod from the Dark Knight. I think they just got it all right. They, they, they managed to do the absolute impossible, and then it's almost rebooted without completely rebooting it and getting it all right in one shot, which is fucking amazing in this day and age. Hey, because, because that's what he was trying to do. That's why I feel bad for Jared Leto because he was like, "I'm going to approach this movie, this character, completely differently than what Heath Ledger did," and he did, and it went the wrong way. Like you saw the two ways to do it, and and one was one was absolutely masterful, and the other was just a shit show disaster. The other was so bad that in the, the what is the Harley Quinn movie, they yeah, don't even yeah. acknowledge. 
Yeah. They don't even fucking acknowledge it. Like, it's, this is yep. a small spoiler for the movie. In the beginning, when they show the Joker, he doesn't have all that crazy shit on his face or anything like that. Well, the I, the DC the DC movies are sort of starting to figure themselves out. With uh, you know, Aquaman did pretty well. Shazam did pretty well. Wonder Woman movies obviously were doing well. So they they know they have something there. They just have to figure out how to piece it together. And Superman is a, is a very hard character to do in a movie just because he's so godlike, and he's just not that interesting outside of him being all powerful. And Batman is a tough character to work into that kind of universe with those all those super characters and say, yeah, this guy, you know wears a cool suit and he drives a cool car. And so it's a hard, they're kind of figuring it out, but um, I, Marvel just did it right and DC didn't. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So who has been your favorite guest to have on the podcast thus far? Oh, God. I, I, I can't, I, I, it's going to sound like a cop out. Go ahead, give me shit for it. I don't have a favorite. I have several favorites. People who have stood out to me. Okay. Uh, I would say Bill Schultz, who did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, was great. I would say AC Rhodes did a great job as well. John Fugelsang, who did uh, Gone with the Wind, had, was, was, was pretty solid too. Um, Jeff Paul, who did uh, Spaceballs, because when you listen to it, what makes him so different? His voice is just. He's talking about space balls like he's talking about if he had an ex-wife with, with who fucked him over in the divorce. There's such <laughs> vitriol coming out of his mouth. Like the, the hatred is so palpable, which is why he was a fantastic guy. And he came in guns fucking blazing. Mark Riccadani came in also did the hangover. Hates it. Had a three-page argument about the hangover and why it's overrated. Like those are like our fa- those are my favorite guests. Kevin, what about you? Where do you stand? No, I, I, I agree with you. Bill Bill Schultz was great. Um Rick Adana did a great job. I, my favorite guests are the ones who come in super prepared and with an Absolutely. argument with points. And because that's what makes it fun. Somebody who spent because, look, Kevin and I often have to spend a day watching these movies that we either don't necessarily want to watch or, you know, we'd rather be doing something else. So we go, have to go back and watch these movies so we can talk about them with some kind of understanding. And if you if a guest comes in and is just like, yeah, I didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. Like, well, listen, bro, we took notes. Kevin spends some time really doing some research, uh, yeah. have an argument, have have something for us to discuss, and and you know really really latch onto. So and and luckily most of our guests have most of our guests come with with good arguments and with with some insight. So that that's you know that's what really makes the guests compelling. Okay. Final question for both of you guys. I think it'll be interesting. Who is your dream guest to have on the show? Whoever has the most fucking Instagram and Twitter followers. <laughs> so that would be me. How <laughs> many do you have? I don't know. I have a lot of Twitter followers. I don't think I have that many Instagram followers. I'm going to look it up right now so you can't try and bullshit us. I think I have 8,000 Twitter followers. Oh, my God. So sorry. Nice to play with you, man. No, I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, God, who would I want? Kevin, you go first. I'm thinking here. I'd like to get that that cat that we've been trying to get, that Jeremy Johns, who does has a huge movie review uh, channel. He's between him and Chris Stuckman, they're the two biggest. Uh, I like I always I like Jeremy Jeremy Johns' style because he's he's like manic when he talks about them, and he's got super energy. And I think he, number one, yeah, he's got like a million followers. And number two, I think he'd probably have a cool take 
on on what we do. So I think he'd come in with some some good arguments. I gotta look him up. I would say I think Jason Manzukas would be great because he's on the How Does Get Made podcast. Yeah, and he's, he he just he's I loved him on the league. Rafi on the league is the top is a top three TV character of all time. If you've never seen the league, it's a show about a bunch of dudes who do fantasy football, and he's so fucking funny in this. And the podcast, he's great too. He's great because he can tear shit apart left and right as well. Uh, but again, I, I, he's one of them. I'd also say, God, who's another? I probably would say, I think Bill Simmons would be a good one too because he's also a big yeah. sports guy and a huge movie guy too. Yeah, and he has a ton of esoteric references in his articles. And I mean, if you've seen my stand up, if you see my movie reviews, I, I write out on my website, kevingoatee.com. Fucking shameless plug. I, I, I will drop them in there or my or other stuff I do. I love those esoteric references. He is damn near the king of that stuff. I think he'd be great on that, uh, on our show for sure, without a doubt. Someday. We'll get there. And Delvin Cox, you have 89, uh, 8, 8,924 followers on Twitter. So we uh, we got some work to do, buddy. Yeah. I will say this way more than our shitty podcast numbers are. I will say that, though. So you've got us in, in spades. <laughs> nah, that's, you guys are way more funny than me. So you guys win in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let them know where to follow, find you guys on Twitter. Maybe you can get some followers off me. Please follow these guys because they're way funny. So our podcast, Gutting the Sacred Cow, we're all over the joint. We're on iTunes. We're on Spreaker, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. We got you covered. Gutting the on Twitter and Gutting the Sacred Cow on Facebook and Instagram for now. And then I'm Kevin Goatee, K-E-V-I-N-G-O-O-T-E-E.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, that's for dates and movie reviews and NFL bets when it's that time of year. So there you have it. Yep. You follow us on uh, Gutting the Sacred Cow. Leave a, leave a review. Leave, some, yeah. leave, leave a comment. Uh, that always helps. And uh, you can find me at uh, Kevin Israel underscore NJ on Twitter. Kevin Israel Comedy on Instagram. My website, kevinisrael.com, and I have an album out on iTunes, uh, The Struggle is Real. Definitely check out that album on iTunes. Definitely leave a five-star review for them. You're going to leave anything less than five stars. Fuck that. <laughs> leave a five-star <laughs> review. We don't want your four or your three stars. Fuck that bullshit. Give them a five-star review. Check out their podcast. It's awesome. These guys are awesome. They, they're welcome back on anytime they want to come back on. Thanks so much for having us, Delvin. We, you're you're we, more than we welcome. Check if, if and I will doing... say, you, you talked about reviews once. I just want to share this. One person left us a four-star rating on our iTunes. One. Fuck off. Bitch. <laughs> really? One four-star rating? Like, why? Why? And the and review was nothing but positive. It wasn't like, these guys are funny, except someone guy, you know... I don't know, turn me off somehow by saying something out of school. It was a fucking completely perfect review, but we still got four stars. I'm like, oh, oh, I hope your boyfriend accuses you of giving shitty uh, half-ass blowjobs tonight. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, check out their podcast. If you see them doing stand-up anywhere you're at, go support them.
And if you're looking to advertise, goddammit, hit us up too at guttingthesacredcow at hotmail.com. We've got a sponsor right now, fightcards.com. They're a good guy. A uh, good guy, actually. His name's Darren. Uh, but we're looking for more advertisers. Got to keep these lights on. Delvin, you know what I'm talking about. Shit, you can't afford that uh, Al Qaeda backdrop just on a. <laughs> yeah, these Al Qaeda backdrops cost money, man. They do. That you gotta find a place to hide the beheaded head and and find a sharp enough you know machete to do it. Come on, let's go. Yeah, that stuff costs money, man. Need that blue troop sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, infinite CBD. You hear me calling? Let's go. Definitely. Oh man, this is great. And as always, Devil Cox Spears, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Devil Cox Experience. If you like more content, you can go on Patreon.com. Slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, you will find bonus podcasts and a lot more content. Also, shout out to Patreon producer Ben Goodwin, aka UK Ghostwriter. If you want to check him out, go on Twitter at Ghostwriter underscore UK. Thank you.